Today, on the Terrible Warriors, the Beast Clan has retreated and Thistlehold is safe. For now. On the brink of setting out on their investigation to learn the truth of what is happening, each member of our trio recounts the story of how they got here. This chapter covers contents from both the Promised Land Adventure from the Core Rulebook and Act 1 of the Wrath of the Warden campaign. And while Vaird, Iandrome, and Elindra have learned much, there are many secrets that are still to be uncovered. And if you would like to learn those secrets for yourself and run a game of your own, we've partnered with Free League to give away a free copy of Simbaroom every month during this campaign. Visit TerribleWarriors.com or check the show notes for a link to the raffle where you can enter in for a code to your very own digital copy of the game. This episode is made possible by listeners just like you who've decided to support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. Listeners like Michael Rudsky, Damon Jordan, Ben Eastman, and Mermuse. Find out how you can become a supporter and receive advanced episodes of our Simbaroom campaign, patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. Now, we take stock and we look back at where we've come from as we anticipate the challenges ahead of us. But more than that, this is a podcast about equipping you to feel confident in running a game of your own. And one of the best tools in a GM's tool belt, after a major story arc that has just wrapped, is to sit back and ask your players, what happened? Hearing the story in their words, and in their characters' words, helps to teach me what was important to them, what details stuck, and what I should focus on next as our story branches out into a much more open-ended format. So this is much more than just a recap episode. This is an invitation into the perspectives and minds of Vaird the Witch, Yandrame the Thirge, and Elindra the Monster Hunter. This is Part 9, The Road So Far. Looking back on how I got here, um, my father made a promise, uh, and it now falls to me to uh, fulfill this promise, taking two Ambrians from their war-torn and destroyed homeland to my own lands. No doubt they will do the same with mine as they did with theirs. Uh, but a promise is a promise. These two Ambrians, one male, one female, I will never remember their names or acknowledge their names. Is that because uh, you don't care about their names or because it's easier if you don't know their names should they die? I think both. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they... The Ambrians are so far from my perspective and... Uh, from a life that I feel is worthwhile that uh, even their names uh, uh, seem anthema to our ways uh, even gazing at their auras uh, you see civilization in order uh, yeah they're all metallic there's no natural exactly. colors they're all stone and metal they Shades. take everything and they perverse it. So my job is to take female Ambrian and male Ambrian across the mountains and drop them off at their family's house. So let's roll back again to that campfire on the Titans and to our missionary making his pilgrimage across the mountains, reconnecting with a long-lost sister and a, a, a witch who made a promise to family you don't remember uh, to bring you across to a land you've never been to. Let us, let us hear from Yandrome how the road has been. It's been a long road to get here and not a very easy one. I had looked forward to meeting up with my sister again, but we were both already such different people than we had been when last we spoke. And then there was this strange 
but seemingly competent barbarian who was going to take us over the wastes. And I hadn't encountered any of these uncivilized peoples before. It was was very a, a rude awakening to meet some of them. But it, you know, there were some that seemed like they could be saved. There were some that had become more Ambrian in their ways that were with us in the caravan. And that gave me hope for maybe there being cooperation between all of the good peoples of the earth under Prios. Elindra, we roll back to the Titans, to the foothills of the Titans, uh, to that campfire. You meeting a brother whose face you don't recognize. Last time you saw him, he was he was a child. To a witch you've never met who claims to know your parents and a promise that was made. To a caravan that will take you away from these dead lands, away from your estate, away from where you were raised, more or less. To a new promised land where there is hope and there is a promise of your parents and there is a promise of having a life that you have had robbed from you up until this point. And sitting on that campfire looking out what was that journey like for you oh well i mean alindra has just spent you know her formative years alone reading books and imagining what her brother would be like when she came across him what the people her parents would entrust her care to would be like and she has had such a fantasy and then I think the caravan was the start of the end, even though she thought it was going to be, she thought and interpreted it mainly as some fantastical adventure, like the one she'd heard in storybooks. And this all made sense. Of course, they had to go on this amazing caravan. And she wanted to believe Verd was going to be this fabulous protector, which he was mostly for the good part of it, really. (laughs) And he got them on this caravan, possibly the last one to go over the titans for the season and she met a lot of people which was very new for her because her whole life has just been watching people slowly defect from the estate she was raised in and suddenly she had all this access to people from different places not just from Alberator and probably you know the same town she'd been raised in but from across and so she got to meet barbarians she got to meet people who'd been doing this for a long time people from well I mean her brother's priesthood was strange to her but also the black cloaks let me say that right is that who they were yep yeah black cloaks uh that was what uh lestra was a part of yeah um yeah so that was a- you were all worried she was a a sorcerer at first because she was and she might be one day but she was she was speaking quite candidly but was herself um uh, at least claimed to be a member of the twilight fires Yes. So, remember the Twilight Fires? She let, met Bartolo, which is like a prison. The, 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 their monastery in the Titans is like a prison for <laughs> those who are blighted with corruption. Oh, That's God. where they go, and they're taken inside to be cared for. But they're like never—they're never seen again. Yeah, they're just locked away. No one—no one is quite sure what happens to the Oof. corrupted that are taken to the Twilight. To, to, the, to their monastery. Yeah, and Alindra hasn't really paid attention to those sort of things. You know, she was a big researcher, so she just, you know, she was all in on her. You had your books, but you didn't have, like, a newspaper. Yeah. You had nothing that was current affairs. Mm-hmm. And considering, you know, it's old Alberator history, it's not, you know, super useful. But she met them, met Bartolom from the Order Magica. And then we set off into the mountains. And there was incompetence. There was theft. There was a frigging necromancer. We encountered several difficult obstacles, one of which was an undead, as well as a fool who lost the sunstone, something that we would fall back on on our travels. I I thought we had dealt with the last of the undead, but there was this undead horror that we had to face. You say hard. He was just some incompetent, just some guy, yeah. road, bear, you know, robber, highway baron, <laughs> just robbing refugees <laughs> as they go through a mountain. But he was still among was, the Walking Dead. He was yeah, undead. Those are those are horrific, and we know where those can go. There's nothing left of Elberator, so they those can't be allowed to, to continue doing their doings. Luckily, the one who um, stole the Sunstone was killed and it was recovered i feel like the two ambrians are a little too merciful to the ones who might get them killed if they continue to forgive every action by people around them eventually that action will get 
get them killed. And it's not a mercy to protect yourself. I think it's a greater thing to protect yourself than it is to protect others. That's the way of nature, at least. Yandrame had his first taste of uh, the ways of the world on the other side of the mountains. If this is, if things are as brutal as this barbarian who is with them says, then civilization is needed more than ever. Things can't continue to be that awful. That is it's so uncivilized. It's so wrong. And no wonder Prios is dying. So it uh, somewhat hardened him in his beliefs. The fight with Mal Rogan, while intimidating in the moment, you know, only gave her a tense taste of wonderful adventure yeah. where you win in the end. That was the stuff that good stories are made of, yeah. right? Like that was an adventure. That was, there was a bad guy. There was a thief. There was a chase at the end. There was a rescue. You got, you got the stone. You saved the caravan. You were heroes. Like, mm-hmm. That's going to make a good story. Ultimately, it was a win. So, And that was exactly what Alinda was kind of thinking and hoping and imagining what the real world would be like. You know, she would do fantastic things and then it would go well because she's a good person. And then there we go. And her first sort of world-shaking moment was when we met the elves. As the these elves appeared of the Iron Pact, and I'd never seen elves before, I didn't know what to expect. I was optimistic that they'd be open to reason they were they're thinking beings but they forced a choice upon us upon our people and i thought at the time i made the right one that that civilization would always prevail that there was there was always a way to redeem people two caravan members were corrupted blighted and possibly on the verge of becoming abominations and her brother had very strong opinions on that based on his religious affiliation. We were accosted by elves of the Iron Pact, seeking two individuals who broke into Davakar and touched an item, a cursed item. And we discussed at length what to do about them. I was on the side of delivering them unto the Iron Pact, but the Ambrians I was traveling with sided with Mercy once again. Who are the Iron Pact? Who are they to you? And and also, who are they? Yeah, the Iron Pact, um, they are a group of mostly elves within the Davokar Forest uh, whose whole goal is to keep Davokar safe from the machinations of civilization outside of it. And that includes preventing individuals from delving too far into Davakar and taking artifacts which we should not be toying with outside of it. I perceive them as very misguided and willfully, stubbornly... Ignorance the wrong word, but their closed-mindedness to civilization is leading to the downfall of... of the area, especially now that I know what abominations are actually like. If they were only willing to work with the Ambrians instead of being so standoffish and aloof and refusing to reveal themselves or their plans, but instead they're, they hide in the forests and live uncivilized lives. It's very sad and it's very unfortunate. They search long and hard for anyone who breaks the pact, uh, one that was made with the humans a long, long time ago, including the Ambrians, uh, which they now don't remember nor recall and disuse at every opportunity. Elindra has had high hopes and dreams of Yandaros and Thistlehold and all that it stands for and what the new civilization north of the Titans is going to be like. And so when she met the elves, she was, she's always coming at things from a a place of curiosity and knowledge and interest. And she thinks it's very intriguing that there's creatures with such an interesting culture and strong beliefs living around, but ultimately like her brother, she had a firm belief in the civilization to the North and the fact that this iron pact was, you know, a good consolation prize for people who would never be enlightened as her own and a good way to make peace and have them work together in the short term until they could be civilized in the same manner. And that was her going into this 
experience. And it was not based on a lot of fact or knowledge. It was just based off a sort of general knowledge of and beliefs that came from her parents and what she'd heard and read briefly, but obviously not from any current events. And her brother was very strongly in support of the um, Twilight Friar. And she wants to believe Yandermay. She's had high hopes over Yandermay being the family that she's been missing. Her parents are just waiting for her to welcome them back and they'll be a lovely family again and, and bring joy to the Fathiel name in Yanderos. But Verd, who she has greatly respected and has appreciated the, the care he has given to them, even though he's not the kind of high class adventurer she'd imagined who would speak kindly and rescue the princess as she thought <laughs> she respects Baird's thoughts and so having them argue was very stressful for her especially because she felt like she didn't have the knowledge to support one or the other but she ultimately sided with her brother or at least supported and did not interfere with the choices that her brother put forth to the camp I at first did not believe them. I thought they were arrogant. I thought they were self-righteous and I thought they were foolish and that they were simply condemning mortal men to die. And then the abomination happened. Then the attack happened and that was a really bad attack. We got to see firsthand what happens when you dive into Davakar forest too deep. You become corrupted and people die. And it was the first time I started to have doubts that I was making the right choices. Elindra did know what abominations were like, but had never seen one, never imagined how absolutely horrific and deadly they could be. And it was a deadly fight. She was very badly hurt. Uh, people from the caravan were badly hurt. One of the elves died doing the thing that they had told them would happen and that they needed to stop from happening. And that really greatly impacted Alindra because, you know, we'd seen Kel die, but Kel was kind of a bad guy who was kind of wimpy and these elves seemed noble and aligned with their own values. And then to see them die in pursuit of that hit Alindra very hard. And she also sort of saw the faults of Yandermay's beliefs and his very uh, black or white perception of how things should persist. And I realized that these horrors cannot be allowed to live. And even if that means cooperating with uncivilized beings, there is a greater evil here and it must be fought with almost any means necessary. And at least these elves and these barbarians seem to get that, if nothing else. And realize that perhaps the nature of the woods here, whether that be through the barbarian culture the elven culture, the Iron Pact, perhaps is more intelligent than that of the civilization in some manners. I hope it is a lesson that the two Ambrians uh, have learned and has been burned into their retinas. Uh, but who's to say? People died. We killed some abominations. It played out just as I thought it would. Uh, with a sort of melancholy ending. But we secured our passage over the mountains, seeing Yandaros and uh, Sichel hold before us outstretched. I felt a sense of relief until um, I dropped these two Ambrians off and uh, nonchalantly uh, left them there without much of a goodbye. I was looking forward to returning to my tribe and continuing my studies. That didn't go as I hoped. And then we arrived in the so-called promised land where civilization was supposed to have taken root. And Yandaros is a refugee camp. It's spoiled. Our parents were nowhere to be found. Parents who I've had little relationship with to this point, seeing as I've been in the church for so long. But I, I dutifully followed my sister to Thistlehold, where the, the trail went dead. And rather than waste more time on a foolish quest to find these people, I grew closer to the church. I spent more time learning about abominations and how to fight them. And Why look for your parents when you've already found your father in Prios? Yeah. He, he looks out for me. He's looked after me so far when I had no right to be 
I mean, there was that abomination was horrific. There was a, a trial by combat that I managed to win when I was not competent. In all three against Mal Rogan, that trial by combat, the abominations, it was Prios's burning light that came through for you every yep. time. Every and time. And so, yeah. And so I've put my focus on using more of Prios's power to fight these horrors in the world and trying to work with others to fight the real enemy here, which is whatever blight and nastiness lives in Davokar. So you're in an interesting position with your position in the Sun Church as a theurge. There is two thoughts about Prios. There are the side of the church that believe in the light of Prios and bringing that light to the world through the old ways of Prios, through generosity and compassion and charity. Then there's the others who see that Prios must be the Prios of the of the Dark War, of you know the, the Prios that brings righteous judgment to darkness and to evil and to hunt it out, to seek it out and to uh, cast it away. Uh, and then even within that side of the military side, there's like a light side and a dark side of those who see their role to fight the darkness exclusively versus those who take on a role to heal the afflicted and capture and you know like like look after those who are not yet corrupted uh and that's where you end up getting sects like the twilight friars and the black cloaks the templars uh and uh, these are these groups inside of of the sun church and not everyone necessarily picks a side in the sun church many the majority of them live in the middle of, of that spectrum um just doing the best that they can in their studies and in their in their like uh, parish, whatever you would call their local area that they are responsible over. But where do you, if you were to sympathize with one side or the other, where do you feel you're leaning in? How, how do you, how do you perceive those political so, movings in the church? Speaking in third person here, Yandrome actually has an arc with that, the, the sects. I, he started very much as a shepherd and a light of Prios and like a traditionalist very happy go lucky let's just have you know the dark can't be that bad let's all stand together kind of thing and then he had encounters which is remarkable because you were doing that while you were wandering the wastelands of old abarator yeah right i mean the northern parts that weren't as afflicted but still like these were dead lands but in his opinion they still they won that darkness was defeated yeah there can't be anything worse than that yeah it was post-apocalyptic, but that's the point. Yeah. It's post. It's post after. Apocalypse. The apocalypse, apocalypse is over. Yeah, we're moving on. We now need to rebuild. Civilizations here to rebuild. And instead, oh no, wait. There's abominations now. There's, and there's more where that came from. And there's so much more where that came from. And this is yeah. just one guy. Yeah. So he's gone from being very light and life and happiness to much more militant. Much more. The church needs to destroy these things with a giant beam of sunlight. This isn't just a darkness that threatens the ability to grow food it's a darkness yeah. that threatens reality Existence. yeah, yeah. Just all like, of it life. unravels what we understand reality to be so he's gone to more militant but he, having come from a background of being more caring he sort of he he feels sorry for those people like he feels like they're misguided but also he was once there so he gets it yeah he, there's sympathy there but it's not he doesn't believe it's the way forward anymore at least for the time being and that sort of put that kernel of doubt within her as she went to Thistlehold and sort of sullied the dream she'd had of like fantastic treasure hunter adventurers who encounter abominations and study them and learn how to cure them or don't or things like that. In her mind, it had been a very scientific pursuit without the practical knowledge of the actual effect it could have on the land. And so she went to Thistlehold slightly more jaded, only for her to descend into further hell because once she got there, her parents weren't there. They were able to get in the city on some cheap coin, not cheap coin, but some coin that their parents had left. And Yandermi was welcomed into his church and she was left to fend on her own, which was not how she imagined anything happening. Baird left them and suddenly it was Alindra alone in Thistlehold trying to make a living, having never worked a day in her life, honestly. Alindra first went to stay at the Wing Ladle uh, to enjoy the finery that she believed should be bestowed on the Fathiels only to realize that the kind of money that requires is not something one woman can earn 
doing menial transcription work as she might be able to provide to locals. Not that that was even a popular form of work in the town of Thistlehold, as it turns out, a rough and cut, you know, back alleyway area where people are passing through and trying to sell sorted treasures from local, very dangerous woods, stolen. You might have been able to find better work if you were willing to, like, make forged documents and write fake licenses into the forest and forged antique uh, authentication labels and Yes. Yeah. So she quickly, and, and you know, and then Yandermay left, and, and Yandermay didn't need to worry about the money. He had a, a church that would basically provide everything he needed. So uh, that's when she decided to move to the Witch and Familiar, a much more salacious place on the outskirts of Thistlehold near the woods, run by uh, Barb. It's it's in it is in Thistlehold. It's just by the um, western yeah, gate. Yeah, it's like uh, on the way out. It's so it's on the edge of town, but it's still inside the protection of the palace. Yeah, so it, it is in the town, but it's far off the edge. It's run by a barbarian and his witch mother, and sort of bitterly she began. Not bitterly at first. She had high hopes. She had high dreams. She wanted to find her parents. She believed that if she just worked hard enough and used her intellect, she could find them. And she moved in there to see if she could learn a bit more about the world she was in now that was not Alberator in the slightest um, and where her parents were and she sucked at finding them she didn't find them she had no success at all for six months uh, she struggled she became a petty pickpocket she's picked up odd jobs as they've happened upon her so that she can maintain some coin all that coin is used to rent time in the libraries if she can she tries to hustle up her friend Bartolom to rustle up some time with books from the Order Magica and do the research on abominations as well as where her parents possibly could be because it seems they never claimed any of the things they were rightfully owed in Thistlehold Bartolom is not in Thistlehold but you'd be able to send correspondence over the last months so you would pen letters and you would send them off to whichever field office he was being sent to for soil samples oh. as he continues to be moved around but he could put in a word and he could send back um, other things among messengers that arrive in Thistlehold. There's lots of in and out mail that, that, that comes to the town and so it's not impossible to send letters and responses and, and, and find out what's going on and so Bertolum continues to, to, to help and be pleasantly surprised that you've developed a pen pal relationship. Yeah, Solyndra has kept that up and she has become quite a bother to Alomar, the barbarian who runs the tavern she, or not tavern, sorry, the settlement of the Witch and Familiar. And she's trying to learn more about the politics of the region and she has become almost obsessive in her need to find her parents because they are the only hope she can imagine like her life is dark now she has gone from being rich upper class to being barely getting by she has no hopes of property in this town at the moment she is not significant skill though she's learning that her research on abominations and her ability to sort of fight in the alleys of thistlehold has given her some some skills that she's now using to pursue her parents further since she received a letter a letter to her mother so we got to thistlehold and my sister and I had very different goals <laughs> for for our time in Thistlehold, and she was spent so much time just obsessed with tracking down our parents. And then she finally got a lead, and it was like a hound with a scent. She just would not let it go. And so we ended up talking to this strange woman with goals that I do not know or understand in a bar, then run into Veard, of all people, um, my travels uh, sent me to Thistlehold, where unfortunately I met with the two Ambrians once again. Um, and they have engulfed me in a plot or misfortunate uh, circumstance um, where potentially. Uh, Thistlehold might burn and uh, my kinsmen seek passage within Thistlehold to right uh, a perceived corruption dealing with a well. It's almost like there's some kind of like Prios is looking down and weaving threads here because 
of all the we haven't seen him for months and suddenly he shows up and then there's witches riding giant constructs outside the, the city the well speaks a chunk of the city is flattened and abominations come pouring out and some sort of barbarian like rumored barbarian tribe that isn't supposed to exist is now attacking and slaughtering civilians and the whole town has to rally together to to fight them we discovered that an old tribe my kinsmen one that uh, use corruption most most or much like the sorcerers do still lives in some capacity underneath Sisselhold and now seek to reclaim uh, some piece of land it looks like but I'm not completely sure as to why they have come out now. But the hole has been opened up, people died, and... The Beast Clan was a rumor. It was a, it was a thing that you, you told children to be afraid of when they would go to sleep at night, and there were stories that the Jezai Clan that had been destroyed by the Queen's Army 11 years ago had survived in twisted forms but those were those were nightmare tales they weren't they were allegory they weren't meant to be taken literally and yet uh in the sinkhole climbing out of it are barbarians twisted by corruption intentionally twisted by corruption methodically surgically uh turned into living weapons so turns out not just a scary fairy tale after all. I feel like uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all real. All of it. Yes, yes. The the, the, the famous barbarian witch Herr Isenfjord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who we all, that scoundrel. Uh, truly. He broke the taboos and he stole from the ancient <laughs> temples. He was crushed yes. by a boulder. A warning for all. <laughs> exactly. And she would like to follow up with that woman who fell into the crevice in the center of the city now. And that's all she is. She's just a... Yeah, how do you feel about the most recent events there with the witches and the well speaking and this sinkhole and this beast clan? Because you all, throughout all this, you still seem quite... Everyone else is is talking about the your focus specifically. Like, almost no one really mentions this woman in the fern except for yeah. you. You you're, you're obsessed with the information she may or may not have had in that brain of hers. And meanwhile, everyone else is a little preoccupied with this attack, with this threat of corruption, with these warnings from these witches. Like, there's a bigger picture happening, and you're like, this woman sent a letter to my mom. Yes, and for Alindra, like, she's kind of realized that if she doesn't find a place for her family name and herself in this town, that is this what she has to look forward to for, look forward to for the rest of her life? Like, no matter how much everyone wants to save the town, like, what kind of future is it for her if Thistlehold recovers and mm-hmm. she is still in the same place of, of living alone at the witch and familiar, trying to scrape by, hoping she can exist, and... Why won't anyone think of you? Exactly. Well, she has. She is has been alone. She's only thought of herself, and now she's still in the same place, and she's in the worst place of everyone. And while she's Thistlehold is not the gleaming place she wanted it to be. This is not the promise. Yeah. yeah. This is is an ugly, dirty town where people are unhappy and poor all over. Wasn't what she expected. She thought we were all going to be in the civilized land where everyone, you know gets by happily and some people are servants to her but it's not that many and they're treated well so it's fine and now she's at the bottom of society tons of people are there with her like what is the point of saving Thistlehold if there's no hope of something being better than this and so for her that hope lays in Anadea and it also feels like there's this growing fear underneath you ever since that moment in the Titans that like those two people those two barbarians that were your pathfinders you befriended, you kind of liked, you you thought they were kind of fun, uh, around, and then they turned into an abomination. So like, who else, especially in a town like Thistlehold, this close to Davacor, is just like walking around like a time bomb? Like there's this, there's this fear mm-hmm. that anyone could be corrupted, and that everyone, and because anyone could be, everyone's a threat now. And this is not a safe place, and this is not a safe land, and this is not a safe situation. And you 
handled yourself against those abominations and you've certainly handled yourself against the beast clan when they came in you you freaked some people out by how well you've handled yourself but there's also this a, a fight or flight response that's being triggered and you're picking fight but it's still a response here where you're um you're hunting monsters and uh you're terrified of of what's around that's what I was picking up with. Because when those Beast Clans came out of the sinkhole, you tore them apart. The other two were just standing going like, Alindra? And that's just who she's kind of become now because everything, you know, she she grew up so simply, so easily that it inspires a certain terror in her every time she's faced with these situations and she's just trying to learn to be ruthless and cutthroat about it because she's also researched you know it was absolutely terrifying it was really monumental for her the moment she saw these two barbarians one of them at least turn into an abomination i'm pretty sure she almost died in that fight she got very low even though she was able to do a bit of damage with her tiny little pick stiletto and she's just realized that like her brother's an idiot and there's also points to the idea of maybe thistlehold is a bit of an idiot. Like, is it the woods who knows everything is right? Is it the Iron Pact who got this all right? Because maybe abominations just need to be killed and that's the, the path she's on, that perhaps corruption can't be tolerated and must be snuffed out quickly and ruthlessly. We made some interesting friends during that fight. I met a trio of brothers who I hope one of them pulls through. I know he was gravely injured, but they seem to have the right idea. They're fighting the darkness, the good fight. Then there's some, like, apparently competent wizards, but I I don't like how nonchalant they are about all of this as well. Everything's a quest to them. Everything's an yeah. adventure. Everything's a scientific discovery waiting to happen. It's a puzzle. It's like, no, this is the darkness. It's not a puzzle. It's the end of civilization. You need to take this more seriously. But of course, as a GM, this is how wizards navigate their own internal corruption is by not letting their emotions take hold, right? Because they're playing with magic and because they're studying things that they know is not safe to study. They are aware that there is a danger in this, but know your enemy, right? They have to know what corruption is and how it works so that they can fight it properly. And so that they, they, they take on a bit of a, a Jedi Buddhist Zen mind of just the idea of like, we're not going to let ourselves get angry and frustrated at this and to everyone else around them they come off as detached cold assholes but for them this is this is necessary so that they don't hulk out whereas um, like a, a character a theurg of prios uh, my character is so terrified of corruption that he learned the ritual that literally burns yeah. it away by stepping into a fire <laughs> because that is how bad corruption is there's a character we might meet in our next episode who is covered in burn scars and you and and it's not told to the players why and you would be the only one who would who would know that because of of your studies and your reading on it because yeah you can fail that yes you can well and and there was (laughs) this is the story of how the queen was rescued in order to be rescued from her prison from the dark lords she had to be carried through a wall of flame and she was badly injured in the process someone else was also and and, and a, a third was killed uh, and didn't survive passing through that wall and one of them and then that's why the queen wears a mask and covers their body is to hide the disfiguration from from that rescue attempt and the other person who was responsible for rescuing her she she doesn't hide uh, the scars uh, wears them openly as uh, the only person to ever be granted the title Lightbringer before their death. Usually it's a thing like sainthood that would be offered posthumously. She was granted that while still alive because of her role in rescuing the queen from the Dark Lords. So she's a a big deal character within the Church of the Sun. Mm-hmm. A, a living saint. There aren't that many of those. So what did what was your impression of some of the characters we met uh, there in Thistlehold? I threw a lot at you. We had uh, you know, the 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 hungover veteran Serexatio. We had the the representative of the Sun Church, Father Alfano. You had Cullen and Furia, who came to your rescue right there at the sinkhole um, when you were really fighting right up into the end. And all three of you were at that moment. We were like, oh, we're not 
going to survive this uh, as even Verd was taking the the acid damage that you had taken from that attack onto his own body you were rescued by the other heroes of Thistlehold and of course the McKelly brothers what were your impressions of these um, larger than life characters that you met these these are characters of people that are in songs your time in Thistlehold the last three months you've heard about them uh, in the tavern like they're part of the pop culture mm-hmm. right they're the people that people talk about and now you're fighting alongside them so Alendra likes the Ordo Magica and generally people who work with it she has respect for the scientific methods they seem to employ and the fact that she has seen them now twice technically be part of saving her and and others around her you know first it was Bartolom through the sunstone and and then it was Colonin who saved them at the um, sinkhole. Her relationship to the Church of Prios is very much colored by Iandome. She feels like her brother has been indoctrinated, perhaps slightly against his will, at least she hopes. And that makes her distrustful, though she is more trustful of the three brothers because they fought valiantly with them and she can respect and appreciate a fighter even if their alignment is with the church, but she doesn't trust the father, doesn't want to have anything to do with them, isn't really, no. You know, if Yandere has to talk to them, that's fine, but she's not interested in pursuing their way of doing things. She has respect for Mayor Nightpitch, but she's also, she she doesn't have a lot of trust for authority anymore, especially in this city. Oh, and Captain Marvalo, that was the other one. He, who, he was trying his best there, trying to get that delegation ready. She and... likes Captain Marvalo. She recognizes him as being in less authority compared to a lot of the other people who run this city and could make it better and don't, which is just like, why? This was supposed to be where things were supposed to be excellent and we're sitting here. He's quite often dealing with more than he can handle with uh, with not enough budget and not enough manpower. And he's just he's just trying to keep order and to keep the people that he's supposed to be protecting from outside forces safe from those forces. But... It's a lot to ask. And she's glad to see that there is someone who doesn't seem to be as much of an essentialist in terms of like, this is bad, this is good. He tried to work with the barbarians who were coming to the town. He didn't want, he wanted to make sure it didn't come off as an offensive right away. I kind of seem a little bit like Captain Vimes from Discworld's Nightwatch. He's a very practical person who... Uh, he doesn't like wearing new boots because if he wears his old boots, he can feel the cobblestones under his feet and he knows everywhere in town that he's at at all points. And he just sees like the whole system. He never wanted to be captain. He never wanted to be promoted. He sees the whole system is corrupt, but also rather him than someone else <laughs> because at least he can trust himself. He's, he's an interesting person full of complex... He's complex. <laughs> yes, and as far as people would trust, Alindra, he's at the top for her. Then she would put the Ordo Magica, not so much for trust, but she believes they can give her good information. And she has had dealings with Bartolom, and they've so far been pretty positive. I mean, he's not exactly a super competent member of the Ordo Magica, but he's doing his best. But she's, everything from the Church of Prio, she doesn't like anymore. She feels like they're the ones who took her brother and their chance at living a happy family life away from her here in Thistlehold. Like, why isn't he Andromay with her at the, the Witch and Familiar? Why isn't he making sure she has dinner every night? Instead, she's out here trying to buy moldy bread. Yeah, doesn't he care about your family? Doesn't he care about finding out what happened? Yeah, what about the Fafiel name, Andromay? That's what matters here. We have to restore it to its glory. So that, that's kind of where we're at right now, is uh, having to clean up the mess of Thistlehold. Um, and also I got sucked into things with uh, the two Ambrians again, so it just seems like us three will forever be together. Yeah, you're, you, as a witch of the spirit, right? That's a, mm-hmm. the path of the spirit. You're a acutely aware of the dangers of fate (laughs) and and the and the entwinings of one's stories and destinies and futures and what they hold and these damned ambrian kids have a fate about them they they keep sucking me into their fate i don't want to (laughs) but 
It's hard to look away, though, when there's a, 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 an acute threat of corruption that would put your own tribe in danger as well, so close to Dabokar. Yeah. I have to fix it and follow wherever these thread leads. But yippee, more time with the twins. Like, <laughs> I don't think they're actually twins. But All Ambrians look the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they're twins in some fashion. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, kind of where uh, we left off. So standing on the edge of the sinkhole, uh, looking back on the journey you've gone, what are you hoping will happen next for you and, and your, your allies? I am hoping that we find out what the hell this is and burn it out from underneath Thistlehold so that it can never, so that it can't take root. Because whatever this is, it clearly goes deep and it needs to be gotten rid of. Because this is the bastion of civilization on the edge of the dark. And if this place falls, what's next? When you find black mold in the basement, the only answer is burn the basement. Yep, that's it. The whole basement. Just burn it. <laughs> Alindra has two interests right now, and it's knowledge of what has happened here what has caused this sinkhole and whether, you know, we're sitting on some sort of time ticking, terrible abomination pact in the middle of the city. And that's why the barbarians are here because the last time two people from the woods approached her at a caravan, they were incredibly <laughs> right and ignored. And it seems that the same situation has happened again. And it when two, when two wise characters approach from the wild with warnings of darkness and corruption, you have learned to listen mm. to that warning. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't actually make that parallel. Like, oh yeah, that, <laughs> it is just another pair of people warning you of danger to come. Yes, and so Linda's seen this playing out twice, and that's a little annoying to her that the town is still like. Uh, should we let them in? Should we go get the guards? Like she doesn't have respect for these processes that are in place. So she wants to know more about the wilds, about how they know these things, about whatever mystical thing has caused the sinkhole and this great attack of abominations and other evil creatures. And then she wants Anadea so bad. She wants to know because Anadea was part of some sort of organization, and I don't have it written down, so I don't know if we found. She never out. told you. Yeah, that's what I thought. She just said the people I work for are very well connected and can get you the answers that you seek. And Alindra so badly wants to know that, and she needs to find out if she has an insignia on her cloak or something. This is the one lead she's had. This is three months of her life, which is the first time she's ever had such yeah. a serious goal, and she can't get anywhere. And now she has it all right there, and the woman fell in a sinkhole because we couldn't leave the town alone and Yandere had to fight them and Ver didn't want him to die. <sighs> so now she has to go in the sinkhole and that's what she's trying to do. And she wants Ver and Yandere to come with her because she knows she, this is not a child's game. She can't just defend herself against these things. She just almost died again, but she's yeah. angry. She's bitter. She's angry and she's ruthlessly heading for Anadea basically because she sees that as the start of learning everything she wants to know. Uh, I think for Veard looking down and he knows he has to do something because uh, the alternative is more nightmares with the dead kind of clawing at his thoughts when he tries to sleep. Um, and so if he can prevent death uh, at such a great scale, maybe maybe sometime in the future he'll be able to sleep. When we return to Thistlehold in the next episode, the balance of power in this game that we've been playing up to this point will shift. Up until this point, I have been telling you what is happening, and I have been more or less directing you like fish in a stream down towards where we're going. Well, we've arrived now and you left the mouth of the river and you've entered into the lake and there's no more current for me to carry you along. My job going forward is to describe Thistlehold and the characters, to keep track of the passage of time as the things that are going to be happening continue to happen. As I have agents moving about the city looking for these two people who uh, Anadea made contact with. But what happens next? Where we go to, who we talk to, how we approach this mystery and this threat to Thistlehold will be up to the three of you. 
you have read now about Thistlehold. I've given you that PDF. You you have spent some time here. You have met these characters. And what unfolds from this point forward is now up to the players. They are being they're taking the rudder and are directing where we where we go at. I trust you, and I have faith in you, and I'm looking forward to what happens uh, with what's going on. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I hope that Thistlehold will be here at the end, um, and, uh, and, and and I hope you make valuable alliances with some of these factions. May even be able to bring two opposing factions together to work together. Uh, You won't be able to do this on your own. And you obviously don't even know where to go because you have no information. So you need need to learn who this woman was, who they worked for. You need to learn about this threat. You need to... you're, You're the only people in town who have been witness to enough to put these all together. Everyone else is only getting a, 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 a corner of this of this shape. And so they, the, the Ordo Magikai doesn't know about the warning you were given. The, the, the witches don't know what's going on inside Thistlehold. So there's... You're the only ones who have all the pieces to put together. So what you do with that is up to you. I wish you luck <laughs> in the trial to come. The Terrible Warriors returns every Tuesday with new story episodes playing Simba Room. And if you'd like to begin your own adventures into Ambria, Thistlehold, and Old Davokar, we want to help you get started with your own copy of Simba Room. So we are offering one lucky listener each month a free digital copy of Simba Room. For more information on this contest, check the show notes or visit terriblewarriors.com. And to learn more about Simbaroom, visit freeleaguepublishing.com. And if you like this show and you want to hear more, we exist only thanks to the continued support from listeners like you on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. By becoming a supporter this season, you'll receive a special role in our Discord server, and if you are able to upgrade that support, you will receive each new story episode from our Simbaroom campaign one week before everyone else. And if you want to try Simbroom out with me, I'll run a game for you. If you are able to upgrade that Patreon support just a little bit higher and join our TIP Club, a terribly important patron, where I host virtual tabletop games for you and our other Tip Club members every month. There's still time to join in on November's game as we are playing through the Simbroom's Copper Crown Adventures. These are stories that happened between the Promised Land and the Wrath of the Warden campaigns where we did a six-month gap on the podcast. So if you'd like to know what happened during that time, this is a great way to find out. Your terrible warriors today have been Mitch Wallace, Sean Horbachuk, and Ainsley Moores, with me, Justin Eacock, as the Game Master. Editing and production is also by me. Music is licensed through Epidemic Sound. Next week... The investigation begins, but where to begin? So the trio set out to make allies and begin putting together the few pieces of the puzzle that they already have. But little do they know that they are already being hunted by those who fear that they know too much. Simbarum continues next week, right here on The Terrible Warriors. <laughs>